The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. I cannot imagine how frightening and shocking it must feel to be diagnosed with cancer. Not only are you needing to process this diagnosis, but then you are told by your specialist that the cancer treatment options available have the potential to often harm healthy tissue and organs while treating a cancerous tumour. What I learnt recently from spending time with Crystal at Blue Dot Army is that there is now this new type of radiation treatment available that can treat many types of tumours in the prostate, spine, brain, lungs, pancreas, head and neck, which is so accurate and precise in the delivery of radiation that it can target and kill cancerous cells in real time while minimalising radiation exposure to healthy tissues and organs that leads to much less painful side effects and is extremely effective in treating cancer, giving hope to people when they need it the most. So today on MediTalk, we speak with Peter Podias, the Clinical Operations Director and highly experienced radiation therapist at 5D Clinic in Perth, to talk about CyberKnife Robotic Radiosurgery, a new and innovative way of treating cancer. What is CyberKnife Radiation Therapy? Well, CyberKnife Radiation Therapy is radiation treatment, but it's the CyberKnife is a radiosurgical tool like there's many other radiosurgical tools. There's gamma knives and there's other things that you can attach to conventional linear accelerators where you can, um, where normal radiation comes out of. But the CyberKnife is unique because it's the only robotic radiosurgical tool. So the better part of 25 years ago, a neurosurgeon thought that if you miniaturised a linear accelerator and you attached it to a robotic arm, it's able to paint a dose perfectly on that brain tumour and around it. And if it's sitting next to something critical like an optic nerve or a brain stem, the robot can treat just the disease and leave all the good bits alone. And the physics of what we do is that the dose disappears 10% every millimetre beyond the lesion. So three millimetres beyond the lesion, 30% of the dose that we deliver has disappeared. So if the brain tumour is up against something critical, you are hitting just the brain tumour and you're leaving all the good bits alone, which is wonderful and a big, big potent dose. But where it's progressed certainly over the past 10 to 15 years, is its ability to track and treat things that move within the body. So if you have a lung lesion, the robot can lock onto that lung lesion, and as it moves, and it moves a lot, the robot moves with it in real time, and you can treat just that bit of lung lesion, and you treat very, very little bit of the normal bits of lung. The same with livers, and kidneys and pancreases and prostates and all sorts of other bits and pieces that move within the body. But we can also treat spinal tumours. So you can treat the entire vertebrae and leave the spinal cord alone. But the most important bit of radiosurgery, no matter what tool you have, is to be able to deliver a big dose in small amounts of treatment very, very accurately. 
and the CyberKnife just happens to be the most accurate radiosurgical tool on the planet. And then what, how does it compare then with traditional radiotherapy? So traditional radiotherapy, and I'll, I'll put the most uh, broadest example for you, is if you're treating a prostate cancer, traditional radiotherapy will deliver little bits of dose in many, many goes. So 38 to 42 treatments. Now, because you can't exactly track where the prostate is, they give a little bit of dose every day. And the dose that goes through the bladder and the rectum and the pelvic floor is a little bit of a dose. And hopefully you won't get any side effects from those little bits of treatment every day. Now, the CyberKnife is able to track and treat the prostate in real time. So we're able to give a big, big potent dose, five treatments instead of 38 or 40, just to the prostate. And the bladder gets a very, very little dose. The rectum almost gets no dose. The pelvic floor doesn't get treated. But you're able to deliver a big potent treatment in smaller amounts of treatment. So the difference between stereotactic radiosurgery is one to five treatments as opposed to more, mm. 30 or 40 treatments. But you need the tool to be able to deliver the dose accurately because if you were not, you could cause some significant damage. So we've, we've got the most experienced team in Australia when it comes to radiosurgery. In fact, 5D Clinics is the only standalone radiosurgical clinic in the Southern Hemisphere. So all we do is stereotactic radiosurgery. But the consultants that we have here, we have four very experienced consultants here, uh, they've had a lifetime of work in stereotactic radiosurgery as well as conventional radiotherapy and as well as understanding how it fits in with surgery, how it fits in with medical oncology, mm. the nature of disease and how it progresses and how it does not. So it's all to do with the people. So you need an experienced team to be able to understand how to nut out the architecture of a CyberKnife radiosurgical case. Mm. So it's not just about this magnificent robot. Uh, there's... there's there's the better part of 150 clinics throughout the US, um, and there's a lot of them that I would recommend people to go to and a lot that I would recommend people not to go to, and it is the specialists involved in those clinics that is very, very important. So it's very much operator-dependent. You can have these magnificent machines that can do remarkable things, we could, but you need a team to be able to understand them to, to make them work optimally. We, we have we have great ambitions to um, to get a, a cyber knife in every city in Australia and the limiting factor is not how much a cyber knife costs it's finding the correct specialists and operational team clinical operational team to be able to deliver the treatment to the standard that 5d clinics requires so is it radio you know someone come, presents to you with cancer will they just need, the CyberKnife, or will some uh, patients still require CyberKnife and surgery? I mean, what what is um, is this in place of surgery? So, sometimes, sometimes we replace surgery. Sometimes we replace surgery altogether. Other times, there's a neurosurgeon may replace a portion of the 
remove a portion of the brain tumour and then the cyber knife will come and take the bit of the brain tumour that the surgeon couldn't get at. Mm. Um, We work in collaboration with neurosurgeons, with respiratory physicians, with urologists, with um, medical oncologists, which which give systemic treatments. Um, And we work in collaboration with all those people. So we are complementary to most other procedures but there are cases where we, and many, many cases, that we are the primary treatment. It would be unusual for us to get a referral that hasn't come from a specialist mm-hmm. or a GP in the first instance. Um, if a patient was to present to us and it is a, a lung cancer, for instance, we would always get them to see a respiratory physician as well. Mm. Um, if it is a prostate patient and has not seen a urologist, we would always get them to see a urologist also. Uh, so it will be quite unusual for a patient to present to us that hasn't seen another specialist before us or most certainly straight after us as well. So where it's our responsibility as well to educate other specialists and the best way for us to do that is to get the specialist to follow up their patients also following CyberKnife radiosurgery and they'll, they'll get to know exactly what we do and what we don't do. So how long has CyberKnife been around internationally and then in Australia? So it's been around 25 years. Um, it was invented in the US, like I said, by a neurosurgeon the better part of 25 years ago. So it's been around a long, long time. Uh, we, we saw it early in the early 2000s and we knew that this was significantly different. And f- from there, it was, um, and this is um, this is really quite an amazing story, that West Australia got the first cyber knife at Charles Gardner Hospital in 2014. Um, and still currently, there's only two cyber knives in the whole of Australia, and they're both in West Australia. Wow. And that, that actually speaks a lot about the quality of West Australian medicine, um, I'm certain that the survival rate in West Australia when it comes to cancer is a lot better than any other state in Australia. So we just do things better here. Mm. And then what types of cancer, I'm sure people that listen to this um, podcast, what types of cancer can it treat? Um, It can treat, what it can treat, and what it treats really, really well, it does treat really well. So if you have brain tumours, um, lung cancer, liver cancer is quite amazing. Uh, we've got excellent results with primary liver cancers and metastatic liver cancer. Um, the liver moves in six different directions at any one time. The robot just moves with it in real time, so it works very, very well. Pancreatic tumours, um, prostate cancer, we're treating a lot of gentlemen with prostate cancer, but a lot of metastatic disease as well, a lot of bone tumours, a lot of tumours, that a lot of metastatic cancer that's gone into lymph nodes and all sorts of bits and pieces. And the cyber knife is able to effectively spot weld all these little bits of metastatic disease that have popped up in uh, around the body. So in collaboration with medical oncology for those metastatic cases, the cyber knife has a major role. And is it painful? No. So how is it not painful? Well, because we're, we're just treating, it's, it's a completely non-invasive procedure. So as exactly how the patient walks in, that's how they walk out. 
and it is radiation, so it's completely painless. Um, but depending on where the lesion is and what response we have depends whether or not the patient will be symptom symptomatic or not. And how long would a general course be uh, on average? To deliver one treatment? Mm. Uh, we, well, we have one-hour sessions in our clinic, but it's usually anywhere between 20 minutes and 45 minutes. There are occasions where it takes a couple of hours if, if someone has five or six individual lesions within the liver, for instance, that, that may take an hour and a half to deliver a, a treatment. But generally, it's a 30-minute treatment. And then for how long would, before we talked about uh, prostate cancer and, and some men might need 38 treatments, is the course approximately three or how less? Yeah, for for for. Intermediate prostate cancers, mm. which is an, a staging of prostate cancer, it's delivered in five treatments. And there's a procedure before these guys can come to us. So they need to see a good urologist in the first instance. And then before they see us, we do, there's certain bits that we need to treat that we need to introduce a surrogate so the robot can see the bit that we want to treat, mm. which is a gold marker seed in the case of the prostate guys. But also what we do do is that we put a gel or the urologist puts a gel that sits between the prostate and the rectum and separates those two structures. And then the rectum effectively gets very, very little dose. So in 10 or 15 or 20 years time, the likelihood of rectal issues is, is very, very low. So it's a very safe treatment. But for high grade prostate cancers, very aggressive prostate cancers, which is different to an intermediate prostate cancer, we have a different regime with hormone therapy in the first instance, and then the patient will have some conventional radiotherapy, and then they'll come to us, and then we'll give three treatments of CyberKnife radiosurgery, which is more dose than the whole of the 28 put together. But So it's a longer course of treatment, but very potent and very, very safe. Mm. And then can you walk us through a typical patient journey? So what would they, what would someone expect when they come and see you? Well, what they can expect is uh, a little bit of respect when they come and see us in the first instance. They will see one of four very, very good specialist radiation oncologists who is completely unbiased in, the, in their approach. They would only offer... CyberKnife radiosurgery, if appropriate. If not appropriate, we'll find the correct path for that patient. Mm -hmm. So a general patient would come to us um, and would, would present to us with recent imaging, recent blood tests, recent um, biopsy results, um, a, a recent referral from their specialist, and from there we would progress whether or not they're appropriate for CyberKnife or not. And then what tumours aren't, I mean, there'll be people listening that are hopeful that yes. perhaps they can be treated, but what tumours perhaps are not appropriate or uh, may not be an option for, for this form of radiotherapy? So radiosurgery is not something new. This, mm. is, this, is, this is a science that has been developed for 
you know, the better part of 30 years. So there's there's some real data of how radio surgery works and how it does not work. Mm. So if you have a brain tumour that's, you know, bigger than the size of my fist, it's probably not a radiosurgical case. There might be some benefit to it, but primarily you probably need some chemotherapy and some and some conventional radiotherapy. So the size of the tumour, it determines whether or not it's a radiosurgical case or not. Mm. But also if you're if you have multiple, multiple sites, um, many, many, many sites, possibly radiosurgery is not the option for you. But a conversation is very important. What are the side effects? Well, depending on what what we treat. What, yeah. So if you have a brain tumour and we treat a brain tumour, you, you may have a, a dull headache or some nausea the night of the treatment or not. Um, gen, general tiredness is a, is a common one. Um, but would you get that with traditional radiation treatment? You, you do. So mm. the recommendation for that is to go and go for a walk and do some exercise. Mm -hmm. So that's an, that's an easy one to... To, to resolve. To navigate through that bit. Mm. But depending on what you're treating depends on what sort of side effects we can expect. But generally, generally, our patients uh, come out of the treatment with very, very few side effects. Um, I'll go back to the prostate guys again. Mm. Generally, our prostate guys have some tiredness through their treatment. Towards the end of the treatment, they feel like they need to pee a little bit more often, but a fortnight after the treatment's finished, that tends to subside. Anything more sinister than that is really quite unusual. How long after they've had a treatment would they know what the result has been from having a treatment? Well, depending on what we're treating, um, we we not there's well there's things that we treat that aren't cancers as well. We keep, we treat benign conditions, so we treat. We treat acoustic neuromas, which is a, a benign lesion that sits um, in the next to the ear. Um, now, that's a very slow-growing tumour. So mm. how we follow that up is a slow process because that's just the nature of, of this lesion. But other things that grow very, very quickly, we follow them up very, very quickly. There's certain things that we follow up that are really quite prescriptive. Mm. So the prostate guys, we follow them up six weeks with a blood test, three months after their treatment, six months after their treatment, and then yearly after that. So it's really, really quite transparent how we follow up certain things. But generally, it's two to three months after treatment, we will re-image or we will redo a blood test or we will do something to follow up uh, the uh, effectiveness of our treatment. And and you were saying before um, that there are many people that are flying in from other states of Australia for this uh, for, for yes. CyberKnife. It's um it's a it's a bit colourful at the moment with our quarantine um, policies here in in WA, which uh, puts puts makes it quite difficult for all of us. So currently for all of our interstate patients, uh, they need to quarantine for a fortnight before we start our process of CyberKnife. All of our patients go through a multidisciplinary meeting before we treat them as well. So um, it's it's not just the individual consultant who decides whether or not they're appropriate or not. They do go through our multidisciplinary meeting, but then putting the quarantine in place turns things a little bit more tiresome, but it's well worth it for them. Mm. Uh, we, we generally have a lot of 
overseas patients who come and see us also. But since COVID, mm. that's, that's stopped currently as well. Wow. And then is there a particular, I know you see a number of patients here, a number of people here, but are there particular patient stories that well, one that you would be able to share with us? Well, I've been I've been doing uh, I've been a radiation therapist for a long, long time. So, mm. in and I generally make a connection with someone quite easily, uh, and I generally see the best in people as well. So there's there's many. So it'd be unfair for me to mention mm. an individual person, I would think. But um, with our t- our team is completely invested in mm. our patients. So what takes me aback now is seeing how our team is affected by patients mm. and watching how they deal with it. Um, they're, you know, they're a few years younger than me and how mm. they deal with it is is really quite remarkable. So we're enormously proud of the investment that our operational and clinical team puts into mm. our patients. Um, as an individual example that comes to mind is there was there's recently been a young lady with a brain tumor that the operation would have had significant um, uh, impact on her and we treated her and you know she's the same age as our clinical team Mm. she's lovely like our clinical team Mm. everyone liked her like our clinical team so then the investment of seeing how successful CyberKnife was for her and watching the team look up the um, the, the latest imaging for her mm. really does impact you. So I'm enormously proud of what 5D mm. team does for our patients. And so in the end, was CyberKnife her only option because of the fact that if she'd gone down the surgical route, it could have just had such an impact on her that really this was the treatment for her? This was this. It was we were the very very best option. Yes. But once again, you actually needed an experienced oncologist to, to be make, a, to, to make, make that call. To, to make that call, and also on the other end, she she did have or does have a very good neurosurgeon who also understands what we do. Mm. So it's not just our oncologists; it's all the other specialty specialties around us that help us make the decisions that we need to make. And do you think, is it too early to know whether that has made her life longer than what she might have been originally forecasted to, you know, has it helped her survival and has it helped her quality of life? Well, the the scan just came in last week and the the lesion has halved in size, which is just fantastic. After how many treatments? Uh, one uh, solitary treatment. One treatment. One treatment. Wow. Well, you've made, um, I'm sure, her a very happy lady. So, well, what we're talking about really is often what stands out is not the cyber knife it's, itself. It's actually the people that come through here. Absolutely, that commitment uh-huh. to the to the purpose of why she's here and and uh, changing her quality of life. So you know, so those results keep us buoyant. Mm. you know, and they should never be ignored. Absolutely. And then are there any misunderstandings that perhaps people have about CyberKnife? Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's got the world's worst name. So yes, that's true. <laughs> so it is not a knife. It's completely non-invasive. Um, the, the, the misconception really as well is the cost 
The mm. cost is a big one because people see this really expensive tool. Yes. Um, they Google it. They they Google the cost of what it is in the US, which is um, a, a, you know a pretty a pretty big number, mm. which scares them. Yeah. So the two misconceptions is the cost, which is controlled because we're very very lucky that we're on the in the best place in, on the planet. Is it covered by Medicare or private health insurance? Yeah, Medicare covers a a, 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 a proportion. Yeah, a, a massive proportion of it. Wow. Um, which is. I was about to say to even be acknowledged by Medicare, it would have had to have gone through a lot of rigor. This is um, yeah. This is this is not this is nothing new. What we're mm. doing is nothing new. This is this is on the back of sixty years of radiation treatment. So what we're doing is based on what someone's done before us. So we we were treating, you know, thirty years of brain tumors using another technology. So radio surgery to us is not new, but the cyber knife allows us to treat different bits more potently and with a lot more flexibility and a lot safer. So where would you advise people to do some research? Because research is really important that we get our information from the right places rather than, you know, going onto perhaps US sites and then in their mind thinking things and and them not being factual. What would be advice for you for someone that's interested to get their advice from? Well, there's well, there's one bit of advice that I'll give. If you're seeing a specialist and you mention CyberKnife and they dismiss it, um, ask them why they would dismiss it. They may be c- correct to dismiss it, but a conversation is really really important. Uh, we 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 don't need to give a consultation, but we will give some advice. If you're clearly not a radiosurgical case. We will let you know, but if you are, we'll speak to you and we'll speak to your specialist. The costings are very, very clear. Mm. Um, and to be clear on that point, it's it's almost no different to private uh, conventional radiotherapy costing. So we're not talking about anything um, new here. In- so it shouldn't be the thing that stops them from making a good – making a phone call – Booking an appointment, speaking, having those conversations. Yes, it's it's really important. Cost is not we we're not here to put a financial burden on anyone. That's not what we're all about. Um, recently, well, it's a year now in that there's a foundation that's been established that's independently run to five D clinics called the Five D Clinics Foundation, mm. which helps with costings of patients who who would be burdened by any out of pocket expense affiliated with any treatment. So having the foundation on our side um, mm. is is just wonderful for our patients. Yeah, and it um, certainly shows the commitment to patient first. Always patient first. Yeah. And then any lasting messages that are really important that they should think about when they're thinking about this form of treatment? There's a, there's only one message is that if you're to put faith in someone, um, I'm very, very confident that 5D Clinics is someone you can put faith in. So we won't let you down. Yeah. And uh, I'll be putting all your links to your website. Thank you so much for your time on a Sunday, by the way. <laughs> but we've been treating people today. We have. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time, Peter. Thank you. 
A big thank you to Peter for sharing his knowledge with us today on Meditalk. And to learn more about 5D Clinic, visit 5dclinics.com.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.